It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? MFFSOSS.com. At MFFSOSS. Twitter, Instagram. Twitch.tv slash AJ Nick3. Big show on this Thursday edition of the pod. In the kickoff, we'll take a look at the NFL playoff picture with NFL playoff scenarios. Oh boy, ahead of week 18. Then we'll do our NFL. Week 18 preview, then a college football playoff national championship preview. Very, very exciting for this game. Um, Michigan and Washington, I mean, one versus two, two unbeaten. So look forward to talking about that. Little weekend soccer preview, some college basketball to look ahead to, and then the final survive pool locks and pick six of this NFL season. Week 18, we don't do the locks obviously because you don't do really a survival pool for postseason I don't, do people do survival pools that's, that's kind of lame to be honest I don't know unless it's like you pick every pick three out of the game no I don't know how would you do it whatever so that's why I don't think a lot of people do it so we won't do it in the postseason survival pool locks pick six maybe I'll, I'll tell you which way I'm leaning if I'm going to play a game in the postseason but I don't think we're going to do a pick six segment with the music uh, I think that's special for the regular season and then, uh, you know, with the week, the week-to-week stuff in the regular season. I think that's what that segment's for. So, it will be the last drive locks and pick six of this NFL season at the end of the program. So, NFL playoff picture, playoff scenarios in the kickoff, NFL Week 18 preview, college football playoff, national championship game preview, weekend soccer preview, college basketball, and then that final picks portion of the show the start locks and pick six and with those going away yes folks the return of one pick one pick will be back college basketball one pick what is the what's the one pick record off the top let's see it's on the twitter it's on my twitter it is 125 93 and three not bad not bad so uh one pick will be back soon so Look forward to that. All right. Let's get it off. NFL playoff picture. I got the document right here. Straight from the NFL communication. So, um, we'll start in the AFC. The Baltimore Ravens have clinched the AFC North, the number one overall seed, the lone first round by and home field advantage throughout the AFC postseason. The Chiefs have clinched the AFC West title. Browns have a berth. Dolphins have a berth. Now, the Bills and the Dolphins are in the AFC East title game. Miami clinches the AFC East with a win or a tie. Buffalo needs to win to win the division and to get into the postseason because they probably won't get a wild card because their scenario to get a wild card is they tie or Pittsburgh lost or tie or Jacksonville lost or tie or Houston Indy tie. So possible, sure. You don't want to really back in that way uh, with a loss. But with their game being so late, all the other results will play it out. So they'll either know it's either win the division or nothing or 
hey, we can still lose and we're ba- we're in regardless. We can back in. We just won't win the division. So that's the Bills and the Dolphins. How about we go to the teams in the AFC South now? Jacksonville clinches the AFC South title with a win or a tie and a tie in the Indianapolis-Houston game. They clinch a playoff berth with a tie, a Pittsburgh loss or tie, or a Pittsburgh loss, Denver loss or tie. Houston, Indy doesn't end in a tie. So that's the way they can back in um, if they do not win their game against Tennessee. Now, Indy and Houston are playing each other. Houston clinches the AFC South with a win over Indy and a Jacksonville loss or tie. Houston clinches the playoff berth with a win or a tie. Jacksonville loss, Pittsburgh loss or tie. Colts clinch the AFC South with a win over Houston and a Jacksonville loss or tie. Or they tie and Jacksonville loses. Uh, Indy clinches the playoff berth with a win or a tie and a Pittsburgh loss or tie. So all three teams alive for the division in that one. Houston playing Indy for a pseudo playoff spot Um, winners in has a shot to get the title for that division losers out. And um, Jacksonville obviously has their opportunity to win the title against Tennessee. The other team in that division. Now Pittsburgh, the Stullers uh, last team here in the AFC that we will touch on. Yes. And they clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Buffalo loss or a win and a Jacksonville loss or tie or a win a Houston Indy tie or a win, uh, sorry, a tie, Jacksonville loss, Houston doesn't end in a tie, or the fifth one, Jacksonville loses, Denver wins, Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie. So, stipulations for Pittsburgh, but they do need some help. There's no winning in scenario, it's win and help, those three ways, that first three uh, stipulations for the Stillers. Um, so that is the picture in the AFC you have home field on the one seed and all that sorted out with the Ravens. You got a division, another division sorted out with the AFC West and the Chiefs. You got an AFC East title game on Sunday night, which is going to be awesome. Hopefully, uh, those teams are ready for that one. And in the South, you got three teams alive for the division and probably three teams for two spots. Um, or, you know, maybe Pittsburgh. So, a lot. Um, a lot could happen, and it's going to be very, very exciting. Now, I understand there's, you know, the four spots. So there's only three spots left, but it could be very, very exciting. I think it will be the AFC. Now, the NFC, the Niners have clinched the West, the one seed, the lone first round bye in home field in this conference. Lions have clinched the North. Cowboys and Eagles have both clinched a playoff berth. The Rams have also clinched a playoff berth. So let's sort out the NFC East first. Cowboys clinched the NFC East and theoretically the two seed with a win or a tie and a Philly tie or a Philly loss. So even the Cowboys lose, if Philly loses, they still get the division. So it's in the Cowboys' hands. Now the Eagles need a win and a Dallas loss or tie or a tie and a Dallas loss to get them the NFC East and the two seed and the home game. So that's how that gets sorted out. Now let's go to the other division that is in um, up for grabs in this conference. Saints playing the Falcons and the Bucks are taking on the Panthers. Let's talk 
Bucks first because they clinched the NFC South w- uh, with a win or a tie and a New Orleans loss or tie. Tampa get in uh, without winning with a tie. Seattle lost. Green Bay lost or tie. The Saints have the best uh, opportunity if the Bucks don't win the division. It's probably the Saints because they win if Tampa loses or if they tie and Tampa loses. New Orleans also clinches a playoff berth with a win. Seattle lost or tie. Green Bay lost or tie. Or a Saints tie. Seattle lost. Green Bay lost. Falcons need a win and a Tampa loss to clinch the South. That's their only way to get into the postseason. They need a win and Carolina to beat Tampa. So that's how that division can play out. And now you have the Packers, the Vikings, and the Seahawks as well fighting for spots. So the Packers clinch a playoff berth with a win over the Chicago Bears. They have stipulations here, so bear with me. So number one is a win over the Bears. Number two, a tie, a Seattle loss or tie, a New Orleans loss or tie. Number three, a Green Bay tie, a Seattle loss, a Tampa loss. Number four, a Green Bay tie plus a Seattle tie plus a Tampa loss or tie. Number five, Minnesota loss or tie, Seattle loss, Tampa loss. Or number six, Minnesota loss or tie, Seattle loss, and a New Orleans loss. So Packers have a lot of ways to back in. Or they could just win the game against Chicago, a team they've buried for the last how many years, and get into the postseason. So the Packers have a shot. And probably the best shot um, because they are winning in for that spot. Minnesota needs to win. Green Bay to lose, Seattle to lose, Tampa to lose, or Minnesota to win, Green Bay to lose, Seattle to lose, and New Orleans to lose. Seattle needs a win, a Green Bay loss or tie, or a tie, a Green Bay loss, or a Tampa loss or tie, or Seattle tie, Green Bay loss, New Orleans loss or tie. Yes, so Seattle can only take a wild card. Green Bay can only take a wild card. Tampa and New Orleans could Back into wild cards, but one of those two could win the division. Obviously, Atlanta could win the division, but they need the help. So that's how the playoff picture looks in the NFC. So two divisions to sort out in both conferences. The AFC East on Sunday night and the AFC South with the three teams going for that crown in that conference. And then in the NFC, you got... The two teams with the playoff first, who's going to win the division? Cowboys or the Eagles coming out of that NFC East? And then you also need to figure out the NFC South. Three teams for that spot as well. So that is the playoff picture, the playoff scenarios ahead of Week 18. And let's dive into our NFL Week 18 preview. Doubleheader on Saturday, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, it's Rudolph again for the Steelers. Lamar and some starters are going to sit, according to Coach Harbaugh. So, Pittsburgh riding the hot hand with Rudolph. I touched on it Tuesday. I, I thought Kenny was doing a good job. I know he didn't have the greatest stats, and it didn't look as productive as you wish it did, but they would always find themselves in, like, one-possession games, and he would always throw a touchdown pass or get them down the field and win the game. Like, that's kind of what their narrative was that they're – 
early to middle part of their season until he got hurt and they've struggled a little bit finding some success at the quarterback position amassed a good defense that they have. So I think Pittsburgh, especially with Lamar sitting, I know it's Huntley and he can run the uh, Ravens system and the Ravens still have some good players, sure. Pittsburgh needs the game and needs help. I think they'll at least give themselves an opportunity to get into the postseason with the Ravens not playing for anything. It's not like Lamar has to pad his stats and everybody's looking to help him out to get the MVP. It's his MVP. Um, Give him credit. So Ravens have nothing to play for except spoiling the Steelers season. But it's not like it's a win and in game for the Steelers. Like they need help. So I think Pittsburgh finds a way to win the football game because Baltimore is already thinking about postseason success. This game is meaningless to them, and they're sitting people. So give me Pittsburgh on the road in Baltimore. I know it's on the road, but it is Pittsburgh-Baltimore. Pittsburgh's playing for something. Baltimore isn't, and that's really my rationale, to be fair. So the night game is Houston and Indy. Listen, I think Houston, when Stroud is in there, and they're at the fullest they can be capacity-wise on offense. I think this is a young team with D'Amico Ryans that he has them believing. He has them playing hard and smart and, and tough football. And I don't think Indy, like, Steckton's been all right so far. They've, he's got him in this position for a postseason. Like, they haven't been eliminated until, you know, the last game, the last second of the game, right? So give him credit, sure, for having this team in there, especially with Richardson being out early. I don't think this team is that good. I really don't. Minshew's a nice story, but come on. You know, I know Taylor has been in and out, you know, suspended. He gets going a little bit, then he gets hurt, misses the games, now he comes back. Moss is out of the backfield, so he's got to play more. He looked okay. I don't trust the receivers. I don't trust the defense necessarily. I think there's something about this Houston team that they find a way. I don't say they win a game in the postseason, but they make a game very interesting in the postseason. So give me Houston. All right, Sunday, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Lawrence should be back for the Jags. They're going to be playing for a title, uh, a division crown. And after the disaster that they had a couple years ago, to have back-to-back division crowns and have back-to-back home playoff games in Jacksonville, I think that would be a big deal for them because, you know, with the urban stuff, it was bad. Now, give um, the bologna sandwich guy credit. Was that Marone? That was Doug Marone, right? Yeah. Got them to an AFC title game. So they've had some success in the postseason. Not in this iteration of the team, though. So let's see. They can go to Tennessee on the road and beat a Tennessee team that I I hope isn't going to fire Vrabel, but it is a business, and I can see them moving on from him. Now, I would disagree, and I'd say somebody's going to hire him in a second. That's a dumb move. There's a lot of dumb people in front offices in the National Football League. 
But uh, give me Jacksonville. Atlanta and New Orleans. Do I think Atlanta could shock New Orleans? Because is New Orleans that good of a football team? No. But I don't trust Heineke. I don't trust Ritter. I thought Heineke could win the job. And maybe if he played the whole season and had an opportunity all year to get in rhythm and all maybe he could be the guy. I just haven't seen him consistently enough perform. He's had injuries, of course. And he wasn't the starter, to be fair. But Ritter is not good. He's not the answer. He was never the answer. I told you that. And since I said, listen, it's a great story. Throws a good ball in some areas. He's not an NFL franchise quarterback. And people said, no, you're wrong. That's so I was right. There you go. Now, do I trust Derek Carr? No, not necessarily. But I think I trust him more. And I certainly don't trust Dennis Allen. But I guess I trust Carr more than I trust who's ever under center for the Falcons and Arthur Smith. So I think New Orleans wins the game. Because I think both New Orleans and Tampa have won some games they shouldn't have won. They've lost some games they shouldn't have lost. But I think they've been around where they should be as as teams with records. Talent-wise, uh, in that division-wise, like, look at them across the board of their conference. I think they fit where they should fit right now. And that being said, I think Atlanta loses this game to New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Yes, Atlanta's playing for something, but they need help. They need Carolina to beat Tampa. Now, if, Tam- if Carolina pulls that off, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna sound like a clown on Tuesday. You listen back to this, and Carolina beats them because I just don't see that happening. Because that game next, give me New Orleans. Now, Tampa and Carolina. I I think Tampa wins this game. Now, I understand it's on the road, but Carolina, listen, will they get up for this game to play spoiler to? To, you know, ruin the Bucks' opportunity here? Yeah, possibly. But I just don't think they're going to be coached well enough. I don't think they have a good enough roster. And I think Young is kind of like, get me the hell out of this rookie year. So I can have an offseason to get a little bigger, learn some more things. Do the things I got to do in the offseason. Start this offseason right because I got to get out of this rookie year. I got to stop playing in front of this offensive line. And we need a, a coaching staff. Like, I, I think Bryce Young cannot wait for this season to be over. To clean his locker out and be like, thank God. Let's get a coach. So, I think Tampa wins this game going away. Minnesota-Detroit. It's going to be Mullins again for Minnesota. Minnesota is a bad football team. I don't care what anybody says. Detroit coming off the Cowboy loss. They're going to be all upset. They can get to the two seed theoretically. It's going to be interesting if they're going to play guys. What Campbell decides to do with Goff and some of the backs and the receivers and some of those guys on that defense that 
could use a week off, possibly, to be honest. Having said that, I still think Detroit at home, he's not going to sit them the whole game. So I think they get a lead and kind of sit on it. Both sending players and the lead <laughs> in both ways. All right, Jets-Pats. This game is meaningless except for the fact that the Jets have lost 15 in a row to the New England Patriots. That is horrendous. Uh, honestly. I mean, you give the Patriots credit for these years of just dominating this Jets franchise. But, oh my God. When are you going to like put your foot in the ground? Not a step back. Shadow <laughs> World War II. <laughs> if you know what you know. Um... When are they going to... What if they just went to New England and ended the streak? In a year that's meaningless, sure. But at least you would finish the year off. You know? You don't have to go into next season being like, still can't beat the Pats. Pats, look at the schedule. Pats, that's two losses. You can't beat them. How are you going to assume you can beat them? You haven't beaten them in years. Gotta find a way to beat them. This is maybe the worst Belichick team ever. In, in the Patriot uniform, at least. One of them, right? Gotta be. Zappy stinks. Find a way to win a low-scoring football game. And then maybe Salah gets to keep his job. <laughs> no, he's going to keep his job. He's going to keep the job. But win a football game. And it's Simeon as well, so get that's tough. Cleveland and Cincinnati Browns are sitting Flacco and some of the other starters. Cincinnati playing for nothing. Who really cares about this one? Uh, I'll just be honest with you. Cincinnati, it's tough. You either go to a Super Bowl or a title game or, or Burrow gets hurt. <laughs> that's been, that's been uh, your Joe Burrow experience. Nearly the highest of highs and now... The rookie year and this year, pretty low lows with him being hurt. Um, so I guess if the Cleveland defense plays a lot of their guys, I don't know how much Cincinnati's going to score. And if the Browns sit some linemen, Hendrickson's like going for a sack record <laughs> for him. So um, Cincinnati, I guess. All right, here we go. Cowboys, Commanders in Washington. Cowboys win it. They get the division. Uh, com commanders can play spoiler and um, ruin it. Now, Dallas, it's been very simple for them. Um, this season, when they've been able to start fast, score touchdowns on their opening drive, put teams away, make or, or at least get leads on teams early, make them throw the ball, take risks with the ball, pick sixes, score through defense, all that kind of stuff, and, and put the game away third quarter and get the starters out. Like That would be best-case scenario for the Cowboys. Start fast, both sides of the ball, get some turnovers on, on the commanders. If it's Brissett, if it's Howell, doesn't really matter. 
find a way to get some turnovers, find a way to get the ball in the end zone, and make the commanders start thinking about from you to where the hell they're going in the next couple weeks. That's what you got to do. The Dallas Cowboys go to that horrid stadium, start fast, make the commanders quit, get the starters out, and start thinking about hosting some playoff games. Let's see what happens. And that's really what it is. I mean, it's very simple for the Dallas Cowboys. Defensively, their outlook is rush the passer, pick the ball off. Early in the games, they do have some trouble stopping the run. And especially with the big man Hankins out right now, who's their number one defensive tackle, if you're not paying attention. It's like the number one run stuffer on the team who missed the Bills game. So everybody forgets about that. Fine. I won't. Um, get him back. We'll see what happens when this defense gets better on the, against the run. Now, are they going to great against the run also with one guy back? No, but they get better with the, when back in the team for sure. Obviously, what are we talking about? So defensively, they want to do that. Offensively, can they run the football? Sure. Are they a running football team? I wouldn't say so. I'd say they are a passing team, and it goes through Dak and CeeDee Lamb. And you're not going to cover the tight end. They'll throw it to the tight ends. And if you blanket CeeDee Lamb, they'll try to get vertical with Cooks. They got options. So if that's the game, if you play into the Cowboy hand of making risky plays early and letting them go down the field score touchdowns, like that's the game they want to play. So curious to see how the commanders come out. They want to keep the ball, run the football, just try to run a ball for three down. I don't know. You know, not turn it over. We'll see what happens. But Cowboys, it's in your hands. You didn't think it was going to be in your hands when the Eagles were 10-1, and one, what, a month ago? Now what? So, Cowboys commanders, that means it's Eagles-Giants at MetLife. So, even if the Cowboys can't get it done, it would come down to Tyra Taylor and the G-Men against the Eagles for the division. Eagles have looked bad. They have not played 60 minutes. And you can almost say they haven't played 60 minutes all season. And that was really one of the things I talked about even when they were winning football games. I said, have they played a 60-minute game? And at some point, they're going to lose some of these games. And here they are. They lost a bunch of them in a row. And they've let Dallas back into the hunt for the division, so much so that it's in Dallas's hands. If Dallas wins, guess what? NFC East, no matter what, if the Eagles win in MetLife or not on the MetLife. So, Eagles need help from the Commanders. They need to win against the G-Men. Giants, not sure what they're playing for. Um... Maybe Taylor's playing for a job, so he'll he'll be trying his best. Barkley's probably playing to stick around, so I expect him to run pretty hard against a division rival. Uh, if not, maybe he's auditioning for another division rival. Uh, <laughs> running back staying in division, all that kind of stuff. So, Eagles, Sirianni, I've even seen him talking about resting starters, which I could see him pulling guys if the Cowboys go up two, three scores. Maybe not two, but three or four scores, I would see him pulling guys. Being like, hey, we can't win the division, pull guys. I can see that happening because they got to go on the road. That's tough. So I think they still win the game. 
I don't think they play 60 minutes of football because they just haven't played 60 minutes of football in a very long time. And I don't know, week 18 in a game where you don't control your own destiny and you're just like, yeah, here we go, win. Can that get you to play your best football if you don't control your own destiny? I don't know. Especially when you haven't really shown it for, that you can do it for a whole game all season. So I think Eagles win. I mean, at some point, they got to start winning football games again, right? Bears, Packers, Bears can spoil it for the Packers. And boy, would the Bears fans love it because they've already clinched the number one pick because Carolina has clinched the number one pick, and that's coming to Chicago. So they can win this game. They still really control the draft with what could happen because if they want to stick with fields, they don't got to take anybody at one. They can trade out of that pick, and then they get a bunch of picks again. So... They've already got the number one overall pick, and they can spoil Green Bay's season. And we saw last year on that Sunday night that the Lions spoiled it for the Packers. And this year it could be the Bears spoiling it for the Packers in Week 18. Now, Packers are the better football team. I think the Bears... Have some pieces. The defense has been playing better. I don't like the coach, but the bringing the coach back. Um, I think the quarterback can play if he's protected well and he's on time and he's making some plays that sure are off schedule, but it's not because he's not going through his progressions. It's maybe because everybody's covered or they didn't blitz people, all that kind of stuff. So um, I think the Bears are closer than they are further away from contending next season if they nail Fields, which I think they've done a good job with Fields when he's been playing and he's, you know, they get some linemen around him maybe. However, I don't think the Packers lose two years in a row in games in their own building that they can get into the postseason against a division opponent that can't. I just... Th then we're really talking about LaFleur because LaFleur's won a lot of football games and they've had some success in the postseason. They haven't had great success in the postseason under LaFleur, but they've had a lot of regular season, post uh, regular season success. But if you lose back-to-back -back years in Week 18 to not get into the postseason, all that regular season success, I, I don't know if that holds enough water to help you out and defend you as much as it did. Okay. Still think Green Bay finds a way to win the football game. Green Bay. Seattle and Arizona. Arizona coming off the big win for their coach, the former Eagle DC. Um, I mean, give them a lot of credit. They beat the Cowboys now. They beat the Eagles. I don't think they're a good football team by any stretch of imagination, but Murray has played some good ball. Now, yes, he threw that horrendous interception when they were going in early in that football game. That almost was the kiss of death. I'm sure. I'm still shocked they came back from that because that was just such a bad interception and such a bad uh, quarterback play. I, I couldn't believe how bad that play was. Now, Seattle can't get into the postseason. Has an opportunity again to go back-to-back -back years with Geno Smith being the quarterback for Pete Carroll when everybody says Pete Carroll's done and everybody said, no way Geno can be a quarterback. And listen, last year I said I thought the Seattle team was going to be historically bad. I was wrong. They've gone to the postseason. Now, 
Did they do anything in the postseason? No. Now, do I still think they win in Arizona this week? Yes, I do. I do. Because I think Arizona got so fired up for last week. I don't know if they can match that same intensity being a bad team that they've been. Hard to get up twice in a row if you're a bad team. Once to get up for your coach, maybe I can see it. Twice, I understand it's the last week of the season. Those boys have been talking about vacations for a long time. And they are done when those clocks hit zeros. <laughs> so, you got to think about that. We got the Rams and the Niners up next. Wentz is in to rest Stafford for the already clinched Rams. Niners have clinched the one seed. Purdy's going to sit. Maybe some other Niners, but Kyle Shanahan is not really committed to who's sitting, all that kind of stuff yet. That being said, I don't think we get a high-scoring game. Even though Sam Darnold isn't bad, I think Sam... A lot of people say Sam Darnold could be the starter for the Niners. If Purdy got hurt, they'd, like Sam would step in and be successful. And people are like, look at Sam, look at Sam. Sam should be the starter, right? Do all that again. Wentz is bad. I've told you that for a long time. Him coming in for a spot start to what? He's going to try so hard to win a job for next year. Like, try to get on team's radars for next year. Just run the offense and just punt the ball. Like, don't do anything stupid is, is what I would kind of say to him. Um, that being said, I could see the Niners playing some more people because they have the bye where the Rams don't, even though the Niners are the number one overall seed. I could see him playing some more people into the second half so that they're not super rusty for their home game in the divisional round when it kicks off in a couple weeks. All right, Denver and Vegas up next. Listen, it's Stidham, it's O'Connell. I don't know how many points are going to be scored here. I think Vegas is still playing for Pierce to be their head coach. Denver is just playing out the string of this season. They're going to let Russ go. He's going to get a new quarterback, Peyton. Um, a lot of changes going to happen for Sean Payton's Denver Broncos in this offseason, I'm sure of it. Uh, so they can't wait to end the season. Vegas, I think, is going to want to end it on a high note with Pierce to try to get him a job. And I think they'll play hard, but I don't think they're going to try to blow anybody out. So give me uh, Vegas in a low-scoring game. Kansas City and the L.A. Chargers, Gabbert from Mahomes because he's going to sit because they don't have to buy. Uh, I'm sure Kansas City's going to be sitting some guys, but the Chargers are a bad football team. Um, and even with Kansas City sitting guys, I still think Kansas City finds a way to win the football game. And we get to the big one, Sunday night, Buffalo-Miami. I mean, this is just for everything. I thought this could have been this situation maybe in a different way. If, if, if Buffalo didn't need to win out and Miami hasn't just stumbled you know, down the stretch here, despite you know, winning the Cowboy game. I thought we would get to this game meaning this, but I didn't think we'd get to this game meaning this this way. You know what I mean? Um, Miami's had some bad injuries at, at edge rusher, losing Phillips on Black Friday, now losing Chubb last week. It's tough. It's such a crucial position in this game, in this day and age, because of the... Uh, the rules, you know, it is a passing sport now and all that kind of stuff. So, sucks for Miami. Can that Miami offense 
really have to and this is what they have to do against Buffalo because Josh Allen owns them right now. All he all Josh Allen does is put up numbers against Miami Dolphins. Um and they win a lot of the games the Bills do over the Dolphins right now. So can the Dolphins score Josh Allen because they're gonna have some issues defensively and they brought in Ramsey to help out in this kind of matchup. Can Ramsey lock up Diggs and Howard on Davis and then you just say, we're going to take our chances and try to stuff the run and play spy so he doesn't scramble and all that stuff. Like, are you going to just say, hey, Jalen Ramsey, this is why we traded for you. You got Diggs the whole game. Is that what they're going to do? I wonder, you know, because Diggs and Josh Allen finding him, it's been a narrative this whole season of like, he doesn't throw him the ball enough. Da, da, da. Could be waiting for this game. And the Dolphins could be knowing they're waiting for this game. So, Ramsey might be following him around the field. I think that sets up for amazing television. I'm really, really excited for this game. I hope there's a way that the Bills can are in the postseason and we can just get, you know, them not playing for their playoff lives and we just get a division title match. Match. Uh, like, like wrestling or soccer. Division title. Division title game. Um, Miami at home. Everybody's against them. I think they rally, find a way to win this football game. Give me the Dolphins. All right. Go from the pros to the student-athletes. College football playoff national championship game. It's in Houston, the national championship, the Natty. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington. Let's preview it. It's the first appearance in the championship game in the college football playoff era for both teams. Fifth postseason meeting between Michigan and Washington, 78, 81, 92, and 93. All four meetings at the Rose Bowl, and it is two wins apiece in this rivalry. It's the fourth time we're getting unbeaten versus unbeaten, undefeated versus undefeated in the college football playoff title game. We had it first in 2018, the season, the 2019 game, Clemson knocked off Alabama. The next season, 2019 season, 2020 game, LSU destroyed Clemson. And then the 2020 season, 2021 game, Bama beat an unbeaten Ohio State. So we get, hopefully, a good game here. Because like I mentioned last week and previously, when talking about the college football playoff and the three games that we get, the two semifinals and the natty, we haven't had a year where all three games have been great games. Some years we've had great semifinals. And a bad natty. Some years we've had one good semifinal, a blowout, and a good natty. Other years we've had bad blowout semifinals and a good natty. We got a chance this year to have two pretty good semifinals and a good natty. Um, how about this one? And I know it's like has nothing to do with either two teams, but I just thought it was interesting. Alabama's loss in. The semifinals will be the first college football playoff national championship game since Ohio State faced Oregon in the inaugural 2014 season that won't feature an SEC team. It's been Bama, it's been Georgia, it's been LSU even, but there has been an SEC team in this title game, sometimes two, with Bama and Georgia playing each other twice. Sometimes we've had two SEC games, but with this season, the last season of four teams, not since the first season of four teams in the playoff have we not had an SEC team in the title game and we have it this year now let's go back to these two teams 
the last national championship for Michigan, 1997. They shared it with Nebraska. They got 18 overall. Washington, their last national championship, 1991. They shared it with Miami. They have uh, The Huskies have four overall. The Michigan Wolverines, 14-0, Big Ten champs, three years running now. It's their third playoff appearance in a row. First year, blowout loss to a much better Georgia team that went on to win the title. Last season, a gut-wrenching shootout loss to TCU. Now they are off the overtime win against Bama in the Rose Bowl in the national championship. Harbaugh, the coach, suspended for basically the majority of the season with one to start the season and one to finish the season. He's missed a lot of games. There's, he's been a storyline. The the steal, uh, the sign stealing allegations and what transpired has been a storyline, but now here they are undefeated in the national championship, 60 minutes away from immortality. And I understand people would be like, well, they cheated, they cheated. Listen, he served multiple suspensions this season and they're still here. You can't like convict someone, penalize them, and then keep bringing it up as if they didn't get penalized. They got penalized. They're still here. Give them credit. Give Harbaugh credit. And really, before these last three seasons, a lot of people in Ann Arbor had had enough of Coach Harbaugh. They had not beaten Ohio State. They struggled against Michigan State even. They were not getting in that Big Ten title game because they were not beating Ohio State. And now look at them. Three years in a row, they've beaten Ohio State. Three years in a row, they've been beat Big Ten champs. Three years in a row, they've gotten to the playoffs. And now, in this third year, they are in the national championship. It's outstanding. you got to give them credit. you got to give them credit. So, the offense, led by J.J. McCarthy, who Coach Harbaugh has now said is the greatest Michigan quarterback in the history of Michigan, which is, whoa, that's a big accolade. It's a big accolade. We know the back's Corman. Edwards Corman just keeps finding ways to get into the end zone. Edwards, a little more, he's bigger. He's kind of, I don't want to say he's better out of the backfield in, in the passing game, but they, they both offer kind of different things out of the passing game and the running game, so they are very, very important to that Michigan offense. Uh, Roman Wilson, the receiver. Cornelius Johnson, the receiver. Loveland, the tight end. The O-line, it's healthy. It's as healthy as it's been. Was it great against Bama? I wouldn't say it was great. Um... Turner got in there a couple times, but they did enough. I thought that Michigan offense did enough when they when they needed to. Now, defensively, number two overall total defense. You got Harold, Stewart, Moore, all over four sacks. And then this is where I think the game is going to be decided. The back end for Michigan. And we're getting into the Washington receivers in a second, but Sam still, Wallace, Johnson, Page, Moore. That back end for Michigan. They're going to be running all over the field. If it's going to be a lot of man coverage, they got to make plays on the ball. Um, because Penix, we've seen him be able to float balls into windows, uh, fire balls through uh, tight coverages and all that kind of stuff, where if Michigan's going to play a lot of man, those guys are going to have to be in great coverage, be in phase, not get penalties, all that kind of stuff. I think that's what this game comes down to, that Washington passing attack versus that Michigan defense. Now, Washington... 14-0, the unbeaten Pac-12 champs. Second playoff appearance. They had that semifinal loss to Bama in 2013. Now they're off the tight win where they held on against Texas in the Sugar Bowl to get to the national championship. Coach DeBoer 
He's been a winner everywhere he's gone. Uh, NAIA national champion three times over. He got to the title game another time as well. So three and one in title games. He's had history in title games. Now, yes, it isn't Division One college football. No, but winning titles is winning titles. Now, yes, the gravity of the title, the notoriety of the title. Yes, those are the differences. Those are the the stakes are different, but. The phrase winners win is a a phrase for a reason, guys. You know, it's true. It's true. So, DeBoer has that winning mentality. He's already installed it in Washington in just a uh, couple seasons. So, you got to give him credit now offensively. Penix is the guy. A lot of people still believe he should have won the Heisman. I understand um, their case. If I had a vote, I probably would have voted for him because I think even though Daniel's an outstanding player, as an LSU team that has a bunch of losses. And he's got crazy stats. I don't know. To me, it's the best player on the best team or the best player in the country that makes their team one of the best teams. LSU wasn't one of the best teams for me. Washington is one of the best teams for me. So that's why I would have had Penix ahead of him. Fine. Another discussion for another time. It doesn't even matter, but Penix is in the natty. That's what matters. And I'll tell you what. Dylan Johnson in the backfield is one of these guys where if he gets going on the ground, it is annoying to tackle him. He's one of these backs where he's landing on you. He's falling forward. He is uh, lower in the shoulder. You're feeling the impact of the hit. You're not delivering the hit, and that wears on you. Now, Michigan... Hey, it's Big Ten big boy football. They're ready for that. So I wonder how, yes, I've talked about the passing game. We can get to the receivers in a second. But also this running game of Washington, this physical running game, is it going to match or is Michigan going to be able to match or better that physicality on the running game? Now, the receivers, Oduze, Polk, McMillan, Bernard. I mean, these guys run great routes. They got great hands. A lot of people saying Aduze should be the first receiver off the board instead of Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know if I disagree with that. I don't know. because Marvin Harrison's been sitting for two years, basically. <laughs> I understand he's played games. Here. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But these guys, sure they've had a couple of injuries here, but they are balling. They're balling. They're outstanding in the passing game. The concepts... The understanding for each other. It's just chunk play after chunk play. How many times on Tuesday's show did I say gain of 11, gain of 13, gain of 25, gain of 30, gain of 29, gain of 11, gain of 14, gain of 13, gain of... Every freaking play for Washington is this chunk play. And even if you get into a third and long... They have the passing game where if you if you block, he's got the arm and they got the receivers where he's going to put the ball in the right spot. And also, like I'm not trying to, he's 24 years old. He's seen a lot of college ball. Not a lot he can get confused by. So that's the Washington offense. Now Washington defense, I think the key to the game is when Washington has the ball against the Michigan defense, Michigan can flip the script if their offense can go down the field against Washington time and time again. 
90th in total defense. They don't get to the quarterback, but they did against Texas. That's what kind of shocked me. Trice was amazing. A lot of those seniors stepped up on that Washington front. A lot of guys that didn't have a lot of numbers stepped up in the big game and got to yours, made him get off his spot, made him get rid of the ball early, sacked him, all these kind of things. So all year they don't get to the quarterback, and in the big moment they got to the quarterback. I, I, you got to give them credit. So can they replicate that against a Big Ten offensive? We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm very excited to see this matchup as well. And on the back end, they got Powell, Muhammad, Hampton. Again, did they do the best job against Mitchell and Worthy? I don't know. Not necessarily. I thought their job was made easier by the front of Washington getting to Ewers because when you saw that Ewers had time, he was able to throw the ball to Mitchell, to Worthy, dump it off to Baxter, dump it off to Blue, um, and have opportunities. Now, if, if Trice can just game wreck the game, look out. Look out. All right, let's get into the numbers. Third down, Washington was number 11 in the regular season, good enough for 48%. Semifinal, they were 3 of 11, 1 of 2 on fourth down against a Michigan defense that was 15th overall, just over 30% in the regular season. Semifinal, they gave up three conversions and 13 opportunities. They stopped. They're only fourth down against. It was the last play of the game in overtime. Michigan offense, 46.7, good enough for 16th percent offense in the regular season. Semifinal, they were not good. 2 of 11. Two of two on fourth downs. Washington defense gives up just over 40% of their third downs. 81-ranked uh, defense in this category. Semifinal gave up four conversions on 11 opportunities, pretty much 40%. Um, they did get the big stop on the fourth down that they faced, the only fourth down that they faced. Last play of that game as well. Red zone. Washington 62nd on offense in the regular season. Kind of matched up in, in this game. Six trips, only three touchdowns of the six. So 50%, two field goals, and then one turnover on downs that they had, I believe, early in the game. Michigan, very good in the red zone. Three defense overall, only had two trips against them. They gave up the one turnover, yes, but they also had the turnover on downs in overtime to get the stop to win the game. Michigan offense in the red zone. 37th overall in the regular season. In the semifinal, they were excellent. Three touchdowns, three trips to the red zone against the 72nd-ranked Washington defense in the regular season. In the semifinal, it made sense. Six trips against them, four touchdowns. They gave up a field goal, and yes, they did have the turnover on downs on the last play of the game. That could have been six trips, five touchdowns, and they're out of the game. We're not even talking about them. Right, they're talking about um, Michigan, Texas. But they did get the stop. All right, turnovers. Michigan was number two in turnover margin with a plus 17. They only had seven giveaways. Offense got 24 turnovers over the regular season. In the semifinal, it was a zero because they had the muff punt, but they also recovered a Milrow fumble. Washington, 60th in turnover margin, plus one for the regular season. 17 giveaways on offense, 18 takeaways. Semifinal, they had their own muff punt. Um, but they recovered two fumbles for Texas uh, from Texas running backs, so they were plus one. Special teams rankings, according to Stats.com index, Michigan 69 percent. Uh, the ranking, sorry, number 69. 
Shout out to Finder. Tudor, the kicker, one missed extra point on 59 attempts, 16 of 18 in the regular season. He had a long of 50. Semifinal, the Michigan special teams were atrocious. Two muff punts, one uh, lost early in the game, and one that they recovered later in the game that if they don't recover, they lose. We're not talking about Michigan in the national championship. So they got uh, lucky there. They had the botched extra point on the second touchdown. Turner also missed the field goal that could have cut the deficit to one at a point late in the game. And then you go to Washington, who is ranked 50th overall. Gross, the kicker, no missed extra points, 13 of 17 in the regular season on field goals. No attempts from 50-plus in the semifinal. They had a muff punt of their own. Gross nailed three field goals. And then late in the game, they almost had their own special teams blunder where they do fair catch interference. What the hell are you doing? Don't touch the guy. Don't even go near him. Fair catch interference. That started the Texas drive. Morons. So those are um, my categories there. Obviously, with sudden change, you look at it when the game's over. But I do believe this Penix air raid paired with this Johnson ground game, this is the key to the game. If they can score against Michigan, Michigan's going to have to put it up against a Washington defense that in moments has been successful in this season for sure and getting stops and getting some turnovers. Now, have they gotten a lot of turnovers? 18? No, not necessarily, but it's not like they have 10. <laughs> you know, it's not like they have 12 turnovers. No, they got 18. It's not bad, but they've also given the ball away a ton. So can that Michigan defense get some turnovers? They were excellent turning the ball over and not giving the ball away. I would say if you're going to look at this game, obviously I just mentioned my stuff in third down red zone turnovers, so those are gigantic special teams, obviously. The, those are my regular keys. But if you go a little deeper beyond that, the pacing of the game. I think Washington wants the pace to be up. I think Michigan wants the pace to be down. If Washington is scoring, the Michigan offense has to match them. I, I'm concerned about that type of game for Michigan. They did enough against Bama. Can they protect against this Washington front? I'm, I'm interested in that. But I do believe Corman Edwards could get the ground game going because Texas was able to run the football. I thought, and Michigan, they can't have worse special teams, can they? I mean, can, can they really have worse special teams than what they did in the Rose Bowl? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't think a, a hardball coach team could have worse special teams than they did in that game, especially because his brother started as a special teams coach in the NFL, got his, got his bones like that, I'm pretty sure, as an eagle. Special teams coach, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'll tell you what. It's team of destiny talk for whoever wins it uh, between Washington winning all these close games in the final year of the Pac-12. Pac-12 goes out as a champ uh, as it kind of dissolves and fades away. We don't know what happens with Oregon State and Wazoo, respectively, but it is what it is. So, that's the narrative for Washington. Now, for Michigan, we've had the suspensions. We've had the Connor Stallion stuff. We've had um, them be a program where when Michigan is good it's it's good for college football and even though there's a lot of like I get you know the haters and the Ohio State fans being like well which one is it is it Michigan first everyone or are you America's team which one dude when everyone was clowning on them it was Michigan first everybody and then when they kept winning he was like let's just be America's team like that's just what happened that is it, that's literally the timeline so I can understand you being frustrated but like to be like which one is like it's both like it's both I'm sorry to break it down to you. It's both. How can 
Why does Ohio State get to say the Ohio State just because? Why is Miami the U just because? So there you go. Now, they can be America's team. They can be Michigan first, everybody, because they win the games. To the victor go the spoil. Shout out to Lee Benz. If you know what I'm talking about there, tweet at me. Um, to the victor go the spoils. All right. Uh, pick of the game. I think it's a tight one. At some point, Washington's going to lose a tight game. You can't win 15 close games. You can't do it. Michigan 28, Washington 24. That's my pick. I don't think it gets in the 30s crazy scoring. I don't think it's a low-scoring game. I think we find our way in the mid-20s somewhere. Michigan finds a way to win the football game. Okay. All right. Soccer. To end the festive fixtures, West Ham, nil. Brighton, nil. What a boring one that was. Weekend soccer preview. It's an FA Cup weekend in England. There's four Prem versus Prem games. you got Crystal Palace, Everton, Brentford, Wolves, Tottenham, Burnley, and Arsenal. Liverpool, La Liga midweek here. Real Madrid, Mallorca, Real Madrid win it 1-0. Rudiger goal. Hirona and Atletico, Hirona win it 4-3. Morata hat-trick in the loss. And Hirona and Real Madrid are tied at the top of La Liga. And Real Madrid are only ahead of them because of goal difference. Las Palmas hosts Barcelona on Thursday. It's a Copa del Rey weekend in España, Serie A over the weekend. Inter and Verona. Empoli play AC Milan. Udinese host Lazio. Turin welcome in Napoli. Juve go to Salernitana. And Roma host Atalanta. Bundesliga and Ligue 1 back January 12th. College basketball over the weekend. Big, big week of college basketball weekend. Obviously no games on Monday night, but Saturday and Sunday some good games. You got Colorado, Arizona. You got UConn, Butler. Illinois, Purdue is a top 10 showdown. UNC, Clemson is a ranked matchup. You got TCU, Kansas. Providence, Creighton, Ole Miss, Tennessee's a good game. And you got Texas Tech and Texas as well. All right, here we go, folks. The last picks segment of this NFL season. And we start, of course, with Survivor Pool Locks for Week 18. Thirty-eight and thirteen on the season. Try to close it out for one more three and zero for you. And by default, we're breaking rules here because we're picking division games. You know, I, I don't like picking division games, but week eighteen, the last week of the season, it's all division games, folks. It's all division games. So, pick number one. We're gonna pick. Jacksonville going to Tennessee. Tennessee, nothing to play for. Everybody's kind of banged up on their team. I love Vrabel. I can see people, you know, knocking Vrabel. I, I disagree. Jacksonville playing for something. Tennessee not. Jacksonville gets Lawrence back. Jags in Tennessee beating the Titans pick number one. Favorite two. Tampa's going to Carolina. Carolina's a really bad football team. Tampa, again, a team playing for something. Carolina's not playing for anything. It's not like I, I think they want their interim coach to be the head coach or anything like that. They're not going to do that. 
I think Bryce Young just wants this season to be over. He wants a new offensive line in front of him. I think a lot of Panthers have called this one quits a long time ago. Tampa playing for something. Trying to bounce back from an awful, awful showing last week. I think they do. Give me Tampa pick number two on the road in Carolina. And then pick number three, Dallas Cowboys. Go to Washington with the NFC East on the line. Win the football game, win the division, get some home playoff games. It's very simple. And the Commanders with Rivera, he's basically saying, I've done enough to coach this team. To, to win, you know, enough. You're probably getting fired. So get lost. Pin number three, Dallas Cowboys in Washington. So it's three road teams, unfortunately. It's three division games. We're breaking a lot of rules, but it's also week 18. So make a deal. Get out of the pool. Make a deal, you knuckleheads. Jacksonville pick number one in Tennessee. Tampa pick number two in Carolina. Dallas pick number three in Washington. 38-13 survive pool locks for week 18 in the National Football League. And with that, we get to the final pick six of the season. The week 18 FFFSOSS pick six for the National Football League. League where they play. Okay. Fifty three, forty six, and three, folks. Try to close it out with a good. Final week here. Taking three favors, three unders. I could be wrong here, but let's just go with it, all right? Pick number one, Houston minus one in Indy. There's something about this Houston team I like. There's a lot about the Indy team I don't like. Sure, it's a good story for Indy if they win it with their quarterback getting hurt in the front. Don't care. Houston's a great story. Rookie head coach. Rookie quarterback. Rookie on the defensive line. Young team, a lot of unproven guys. Guys who maybe got contracts when people said, what are you paying that guy for? What? No. Houston, find a way to win a game. I think you're the better team. I know it's on the road. I know it's in division. But with Stroud playing this full season, you wouldn't have needed this game. I think you would have picked up a couple wins there where you lost the game. So you need this one now. Stroud in. Houston, minus one, pick number one. Houston, Texas, against those Indianapolis Colts. Pick number two. Saints at home against the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Saints defense was the defense I was praising in this division all year, I thought, was the best defense in the division. Atlanta, I don't trust either quarterback. I was calling for Heineke to win the job, and I, I guess I was wrong, but I think he's still better than Ritter, so was I wrong? I don't know. Atlanta has some weapons. They're not used correctly. I wonder if those weapons don't play well to get Arthur Smith fired. I, I wonder. Is this game for Arthur Smith's job? Will the Falcons come out firing? I don't know. But I do know Saints have played some good ball here and there. At home. I think better team, Saints minus three. Pick number two. 
Peter three. Stay in this division. And I, I get why it's four. It's low. They're like trying to fool people. But Tampa should be like a seven point favorite against Carolina on the road. And I'd still take it. Carolina is that bad. Where I would even think about Tampa minus 10 here. So minus four. I think is stealing. Maybe they want me to pick them so bad that they lose out. I don't care. I'll go down with this pick. If Tampa loses this game, they don't deserve to be in the postseason. They don't deserve to be picked. They don't deserve to be fair. All these kind of things. So there you go. Carolina's that bad. Find a way to win a football game. End of story. And cover the number. So by a touchdown. Tampa minus four in Carolina. Pick number three. Pick number four in our first under here. Chicago Green Bay. I'm going to go under 45. I don't think either team wants a shootout because the Packer defense needs to play better. The Bear defense is their calling card. They want to be in a close game so Fields can make a play for them. I think the Packers want to be in a close game to feel that Love can make a play for them. So I think we get a tight, low-scoring game if it's one of those games. If not, Packers win going away but don't score a ton, and the Bears don't score at all. So I think we get an under 45. Pick number four, Chicago, Green Bay, under 45. Pick number five. Both backups. Rams, Niners. Wentz for the Rams. Darnold for the Niners. Shanahan says he's not sure about how he's going to rest people or who he's going to rest, but he's going to rest some guys. Rams are going to rest some guys because they're playing next week. Niners obviously have the bye. I think you get a game where the Niners aren't going to try to expose a lot. I think he's going to save some things, obviously, for the postseason. Even things that he's done previously early in the season, he's not going to do again, so he can do them in the postseason. Same kind of thing with McVay. I think it's a very vanilla game. I think it's a very three-and-out punt, three-and-out punt. You know, a little dry field goal, a little dry field goal. I don't think there's a ton of touchdowns in this game either way. Rams, Niners, under 42. Pick number five. Pick number six. Denver and the Las Vegas Raiders, under 39. Denver offense with Stidham, oh my God. And Vegas hasn't wowed you necessarily with O'Connell, but he's done a, a little bit. But I still think both these teams playing for nothing, want to go on vacation, want to just run the clock, running clock, let's get the hell out of here. Pick number six, Denver, Vegas, under 39. So let's recap. Pick number one, Houston, minus one in Indy. Pick number two, the New Orleans Saints, minus three at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Pick number three, Tampa, minus four in Carolina. Pick number four, the Bears, the Packers, under 45. Pick number five, Rams, Niners, under 42. Pick number six, Broncos, Raiders, under 39. The final pick six. Week 18, the FFF SOSS pick six. The final one in the National Football League.
So we wrap up the NFL regular season this weekend. We say goodbye to the college football season on Monday night. I think I'm going to RyderCon. Um, so if you're there and you're a fan of this show and also a fan of Rico, say what up. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to go to RyderCon. So maybe the show on t- will be released Tuesday morning instead of like at midnight on, on Tuesday. Because uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the show if I go to RyderCon on Monday night. Uh, but the plan is to go to RyderCon, which is going to be fun, hopefully. And, um, yeah, we got the Natty on Monday. We, we wrap up the NFL regular season on Sunday. So we will recap it all on Tuesday's program. Look forward to it. A national champion will be crowned, and we will say goodbye to the NFL postseason and NFL playoffs around the corner, folks. We'll recap it all on Tuesday. Everybody have a great week, and until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.